And we are back with another edition of the Daily Dots. And uh, I am joined by the Brain Trust, Mr. Chase Taylor. Back in the saddle, another week. Um, I'm just shocked that markets finished up on a Monday. Yeah, that's that's weird. Yeah, weird how that works, huh? How many? It, it, I mean, it's it it's a remarkable number. I, I think we had a I think we had a slightly negative Monday in the last couple of weeks or something like that. Yeah, we did. But it's been just like nineteen out of the last twenty one Mondays or something. No, it's something crazy. I think it's over like it's like twenty two out of the last twenty five. Anyway, it's, it's going to wait till some giant hedge fund decides to put on massive weekend positions to have some like exogenous shock that kills them on a weekend. I just I don't know. I I'm not convinced that that's going to matter. Um, markets just keep going up, man. Um, what did we? So Nasdaq up point six. Russell down 0.1, Dow flat, S&P up 0.45, um, oil getting a pretty good bounce. Uh, I, you, look, we said it was probably going to run into the end of the year just to see it. And the valuations going on some of these is, you know, I, I, you, I'm, I, you're kind of getting to a point here, and correct me if I'm wrong, and you, and you can feel free to disagree. But I was thinking about this over the weekend. I was like, the market is telling us, the market is telling us that good times are here again. This economy's running like gangbusters. Uh, next year's going to be awesome. Yeah, and because of that, all the strategists all over Wall Street are starting to say the same thing. What? Is there any? I, I are we still at a point where there, I mean nothing's really changed. I mean, financial conditions have definitely changed, but um, what do you attribute that to? Just the Fed. I mean, the Fed being easy and the Fed being easy because inflation came down a lot um, just allows for financial conditions to do their thing. Like whenever you say, whenever you essentially say we're done hiking, that really takes a lot of pressure off of of bonds and and. The, kind of flows down in the stocks of course um i I, yeah i know but what you're pricing i just don't understand how i just don't understand how you're going to get the economy to perform i mean and none of it makes any sense i like how you're going to get the economy to perform at a level that justifies these prices yeah and like we, we talked about a little bit last week i think but the crazy thing to me is is that throughout this rampage in the last like month or so uh, you know, earnings estimates just keep falling for the next few quarters. So, and that's, it's not just earnings, but like even, even the estimates for margins, you know, revenues, all, it's all like petering out from the crazy levels we've been talking about for six months. Um, typically it's something that, that the market actually does care about is those kind of forward expectations. But I think flows have just completely dominated that and, you know, sentiment and positioning, just people are fired up about it. I mean, we had the AAII um, bull bear go from, which is a, a, a um, it, basically a retail investor uh, position engage. And that thing went from pretty negative to extremely positive and one of the fastest moves in history. So it kind of perfectly encapsulates it or uh, sentiment traders, um, dumb money index, which shows their confidence. Their confidence is near all time highs. So um you you basically went from everyone predicting doom to everyone, you know, just going nuts, buying everything very, very rapidly. I just, I, I just think it's funny because you just never get the flip side. Like 
the 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 S&P trading at 19 to 20 times trailing 12 earnings is depicting doom. You know, like that's where you came into the year at. Like it, it's just it's so bizarre to me. Um, and you're watching and it really is, like I said, I traditionally, if we weren't so piped into what's going on on the macro side and looking at all that, traditionally, I would be right around the other side of it. I, I would be sitting there going, this market is telling me that earnings are going to explode higher next year. Like I said, you've got Costco approaching 50 times earnings. And I love Costco. This isn't a knock on Costco at all. But go look at even their their sales are decelerating. Their margins have been pinched a little bit. Yeah, it's just. It's not, I mean, they're doing really well. Don't get me wrong, right. but you, you're going to pay you're you're going to pay fifty times earnings even for a great company like Costco has a two point seven five percent earnings yield. Yeah, and if you if you if you think that sounds crazy and, and it does, I, I, I wrote some stuff down here. So the Magnificent Seven is now about thirty percent of the index. Um, it's it's getting actually pretty close to breaking the record for the most any seven stocks have ever taken up of the index. Ever, um, still got I, a little wait, ways wait. to go. I thought that was in the bag. No, not the record for a top seven yet. I don't know wh- when and what that was, but that the record's not there. We we've actually been here before. Was that when there are ten stocks in the index? <laughs> Maybe the S and P ten. But what's crazy is it, essentially their valuation is about ten percent of global GDP now, and just <laughs> and just the Mag Seven is now worth more more than the following stock markets it's put together: China. The UK, France, and Japan. Just the Mag Seven is worth more than all their stock markets combined. Okay, guys, I'm just gonna say, I was just gonna say, hey, you know how you got, you know, they say you can't see a bubble in real time. Yeah. No, just you're just stretching the bounds, and people are like, nothing could stop. I go, BS. You, you know, you know what'll start stopping this? Some of these other countries going, uh, uh-uh. uh. You know what I mean? Like they, it, 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 you're getting to a point, and these companies are amazing. Like I, this is yeah. no, nothing, nothing against them, but you're getting to maybe a not point going. where you're a threat to governments. You're that big. Well, yeah, I mean, we and we've seen that out of, out of Europe. Well, they've definitely pushed back plenty on some of these companies, but yeah, I just it it it. <sighs> but really, I think one of the big things. So we all, we all obviously think about the passive side and something that disrupts the the passive flows. Um, but at the same time, like a, a really, and I'm not at all predicting this cause I don't see it anytime soon really, but a, a really big, you know, dollar bear market would, or, you know, just capital flowing from the U S to the rest of the world in any, in any significant pat- capacity could, could do a lot of damage to mag seven, just getting a, a capital flow cycle instead of it all flowing into the U S out of the U S um, that, that could do a lot of damage, I think. And I don't, that's like an angle doesn't feel like too many people are watching for. Well, I mean, but I don't think, I think there's a lot of angles that people aren't watching for because then none of them matter. I mean, the only, the only one that has mattered, I, well, I mean, you could argue it's two, the, the flows obviously. And then the fact that they're compounded by the flows, you know, internationally of money coming to America. And then where's it, where's it going to go in America? Well, top of the index. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, a double barrel shotgun of, of flows. It's just, it's just remarkable to watch, you know, the other thing I didn't think that you'd start seeing is these, you know, Kathy Wood type tech companies that are flying again. 
they're going back up to those levels. I mean, there's a lot of them are still way below where they were at the craziness and all, but, but, but way below where they were is still trading at like 15 to 18 times mm-hmm. revenue and their growth rates have like, that's the other thing that blows my mind. There's a lot that are 80% off the high, but 300% off the low. Yeah. Right. And then, and you look at them and they're still priced at 15 to 18 times revenue and they're growing at low double digits, high single digits. And you're sitting there going, what, what? Right. I mean, you know, if you're if you're throwing up twenty five to thirty five percent revenue growth, I think I, I think fifteen times twenty twenty times revenue is, and I think history bears that out. It's still pretty frothy. But what are you paying that kind of revenue for? With you're growing nine to eleven percent a year with negative yeah. cash flow. Yeah. So that's that's one of the tough things that I like. I was saying that I thought about this weekend was if the market is trying to tell you something, I'm not sure what it is. Like or or just. The, the bubble that will never die. Like I, I don't, you know what I mean? Cause you're looking at so many of these companies, you go, listen, I'm not telling you, I know exactly what that company's worth. Value is subjective, but this is just nuts. I, you know, it, it, and when you're in a Tina environment, 0% interest rates, and these things are growing by 30, 40% a year, you know, I mean, guys like you and I, because we know historic past, we're going to be cautious yet at the same time, 0% interest rates, you know, you're like, okay, yeah, I, I get it. I mean, it still seems obscene. And I think that, it's not a prudent way to invest because it's going to catch up to you, right. which it has in a lot of those names, right? But to watch this thing reinflate with rates where they're at, I, it's it's just – it defies logic. Yeah, that's why I look for things that don't. I mean – Yeah, I – yeah. The only pro- – like I said, the only problem is – look, I think you and I know what the long-term answer is. All the, in, in my opinion, the money is going to be made not by owning those things. Right. That's it's maybe for a little while longer or whatever. Right. But when you're buying those things at the valuations they're at, you're just somebody else's ex liquidity. Right. Now, maybe it keeps trickling higher and keeps going. You know, who knows in this market? Right. It's completely detached. But the big money over the next two to five years is going to be made in names that are not those. Right. Maybe it's foreign. Maybe it's, you know, maybe it's commodity based stuff. Maybe it's who knows. Yeah. You're just naming all this, all the stuff I like to look at because some of that stuff actually makes sense. No, it does make sense. The pricing on it doesn't, right? Where it, it, you just you're watching a market increasingly become price insensitive, and you know rather than being a chicken little and say the sky's about ready to fall, you know it's been. I I, I just didn't think you'd see this same level of price sensitivity insensitivity with rates where there are. With, yeah, no, I totally agree. I I, I kind of thought that that would be the the splash of cold water that would make yeah. investors go, you know what, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense. These right. things are a little heated. Um, and that's just not the case, man. I mean, nobody really cares. So flows, flows, still the name of the game. They're still dominating. Um, we had nothing out. You were talking about some of the stuff we had out today. Housing sentiment came in pretty much in line with expectations, a little bit better, uh, which you'd expect considering falling rates. Yeah. I actually thought it bounced more than it did. Um, and it's starting to see some regional disparity where the Northeast is doing great. And the West is actually doing not doing great. It was the only region that didn't go up um, from last month, which I haven't like dove into that. So I don't know why, but that was a little bit interesting. Um, the only other data was the New York feds uh, kind of services uh, survey, which uh, went from negative 11 to negative 14. So still, still not great, but uh, one, one other thing I'll mention real quick that I, I found interesting. We, we've talked a lot about non-residential construction because of, the importance of construction, um, industrial property, like starts for square footage peaked out at, at one point of 250 million. 
and square new like square feet of new like starts like hitting that's actually down to 75 now so you've had a massive like blow off and then crash and um new projects get it for like industrial property a lot of that being things like uh, warehouses where everyone went nuts on e-commerce during covid so they extrapolated it overbuilt and warehouses and now they're now they're like it's freezing up so a lot of people are still staring at non-residential construction and, and employment and stuff as like as like a big point of strength but that again they kind of clearly you look at its leading stuff is, is going to roll over so construction writ large just going to keep a consider this like a, a pinned at the top thing for the show because I, it's something we're going to keep watching real close yeah, no, and and what what's interesting is that coincides with. Remember, you and I. Well, we both talked about this. How synchronized the data has been. Now, I think both of you and I are also sitting back. I mean, really, I don't feel sure of a lot right now, just because there's so many different cross currents. But you know, by some measure, I don't know what it is. I, I would be surprised if you don't see a data bounce over the next month or two. Yeah, I think I think Q1 is probably pretty decent. Yeah, just because you lightened up on the rates a little bit. And now what I will say though, and I think that you made this point last week, uh, I I think, I think what that data looks like is going to tell us a lot. Yeah, it it really will. Right. I really, I think the least likely, and who knows? I mean, again, I'm not sure of much, but for me, it feels like it staying steady is almost like the least likely thing. You know, like I would expect it to either pop pretty good or continue on its path. If it continues on its path, considering what's happened on financial conditions, that would make me feel like, okay, it's happening. We're going right. to recession. Yeah. Right. If, if the data is kind of flats down from where it's at now, yeah, I mean, you, you really got to bat down the hatches for a recession at that point. It does feel like all the election year kind of stuff is steaming toward us though i mean it just the 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 more and more i look at this i would not be surprised to see markets at all-time highs next year by by well, i mean that could happen next this week but yeah, yeah right we're right. not that far away at all um but, but NASDAQ, so, so, i'm watching the nasdaq something interesting this week since the meeting on on wednesday since jay powell's big pivot is uh, a lot of Fed officials have come back out and kind of pushed off, pushed back, and like made it sound like, oh no, 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 that's not really what he meant, and like they've tried to walk some of that back. So it feels like a pretty massive communication failure. Either he messed up by, by being more dovish than he meant to. They're so stupid. Or they're man. starting to split themselves Why up. Why don't they just get somebody in that understands markets? You could look through the minutes, and I could tell you and I could tell them with a hundred percent accuracy. Here's going to be the market response to that. Yeah, it, here's what they're going to hear. I don't understand why the it, this whole coming out and saying it and then having to walk it back constantly. This Keystone Cop BS. I, I where you want to look at him and go, Jay. The minute you say three great cuts are wrong, how do you not know that shit will fully price March? Of course they will. Right? Should yeah, you shouldn't do it. Yeah, they're going to price it right in, and they're not going to price they, in three. They should at least, price in five. They should at least stop publishing the dots because when people see the dots. And like, so I think the Fed's getting frustrated. He's like, look, you guys are reading the dots wrong. That's not what the dots mean. Like, well, then don't publish them because that's what everyone's, everyone's going to take them literal. And where have you been for the last 15 years, (laughs) right? Like the the fact that they put out a release like that and then they got to talk it back. You're just like, 
How did you not know? Literally, had you just told me this is what he's going to say, I'd have said this is okay. Market's going into all time highs. The, the best, the best part was Powell said, you know, we're talking about we're talking about cuts, and then Williams came out and said we're we're not talking about cuts, and then Goolsby said there was there was like no gap between what those two said. And like, what are you, what are you talking about? I just one said you're it. talking about cuts, and one said you're not. I just don't get it. I these it, it's just, like I said, this isn't hard calculus. And you know what I mean? Oil keeps oil keeps going up, and the data gets a little firm. Like they're they're going to have to not just walk back and to try to price that march out. They're going to have to they're going to have to walk it back a decent amount harder. They just they and and this is one of the issues that we talked about. And maybe they can pull it off. Hey, maybe they can pull it off. But but they, it's almost like you you I, you feel like you've got them in a situation now because of the way they've run monetary policy for so long, right? That the market is obviously more sensitive to it than they, and I don't understand, like I said, I don't understand how they don't get that by now, but you've got, they've gotten it to a point where you have convinced them over 15 years and, and for good, and for good measure. I mean, I, I, it's hard to disagree that you are not going to let catastrophic or, or really nasty pain hit this thing, right? You, you, you've showed them that for, so whenever you start talking tough, don't expect them to have the reaction that you think they would. <laughs> they're looking through that tough, 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 tough talk, right? right? They're basically yeah, calling I mean, you on it and saying, no, the minute the data turns, you're going to be back blowing wind into our sails. Right. Cause they said higher for longer and then it wasn't very long. And then they started talking about cuts. So like the, their tough guy side is, is clearly the fake side between that one and the, uh, what will, will, will be really easy when we can. And, and it's going to be really interesting to see these next two or three months roll out just because, and again, this is something you and I have talked about for a long time. When they get to a point where they actually need the market to take them serious, they're the boy that cried wolf. Meaning I do, I think you, you could be fast approaching a time where they have to do something that they don't want to do. You know what I mean? Like I, you and I both think they've cut too high. I, I do. I am increasingly watching, especially this stock market. And this stock market is making me think that the potential to reinflate, especially via energy right now, and to get another surge in housing, to get that housing data hot again, too. I, I, I think that they're running. I, again, I'm not going to say it's an odds on bet, but watching the way the stock market is responding to this, I, I think that there is a chance that, remember how you and I were saying, and this is probably a year ago, and I think it's when we talk, right around the same time we talked to Stephen Mirren, where, where we were saying, I think they're running a risk of screwing around too long and then actually having to get more nasty and more firm on monetary policy and even their messaging because the market will not take them seriously. And I do think that they're, I, I, I think that they're, I think they're, I think they're courting that right now. Now we'll see. I, maybe they're not. Maybe three months from now you'll be like, no, it's you know everything's. But I just the the even when the data's bad, even when people are maxed to the gunnels and as far as their spending goes, it's you, you've got a rubber band in a bath in, in a bathtub or a rubber ball in a bathtub kind of scenario, now, right? Where the minute they take pressure on it, that thing wants to pop back up. And I'm not sure what it is. I mean, I think maybe it's 15 years of ZERP. I think the average consumer and business guy, it really is amazing to me out there that the bullishness that people still have, even as you watch the underlying uh, uh, economy deteriorate, and then you also listen to business owners who, you know, that's the other thing that we've talked about. I, I think a lot of this is just starting to look like 
there were so many capital expenditure plans put into place because so many of these companies acted as if 2021 was a blast off point and we were just carrying on from there. Right. And, and I think a lot of the data is pointing to there was a lot of spending and a lot of investment that was pushed up based on that belief and that the reality. And, and you and I are talking to actual business owners. We're talking to people and, and it's it, and it's and it's so consistent across the board that, yeah, we, we were way too aggressive in our forecasting. And what's going on right now is not that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we just talked about with the industrial like property build out, like there's so many pockets that show clear extrapolation. Um, the, I think the only industry it worked in was probably cruises. Like they, they extrapolated like a, a pop in demand and they were right. But everyone else, it, it seems like probably took their projections a little too high. I mean, you can see with the automakers, like everyone's going to want five EVs and like, oh, nobody even wants to or one. Like there, there's a lot of examples of this. Um, and and that's an area where you're seeing the capex and the production side like all of a sudden the forecast for 24 are pulling back like i think i think you're going to see that in a lot of areas yeah yeah it's man it's wild out there i i just laugh on a day-to-day basis cuz i've seen what i've thought were expensive markets before and again they, 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 this is different it's its own thing cuz there are a lot of things in there that are as mind-numbingly cheap is there are things that are mind-numbingly expensive, but it is just incredible to watch the reality continue to fall short in terms of the production these companies are cranking out and watching their stock just continue to elevate as if, as if they're just going great guns. So I actually have one interesting um, flip side anecdote to that. And that is the ETF CAF, C-A-L-F, which is um, people probably heard of the cows ETF, which is, cash cows it's companies that make a bunch of free cash flow right the the calf one is is perfectly named for small caps that are doing the same huge free cash flow yield essentially that etf has had a phenomenal year it's beating the s&p um it's gotten shocking amounts of new money into it um very popular but it's one that's like okay this one makes sense to me these companies make a bunch of money and they're cheap uh, and they're cheap and like they're doing well and in their small caps, which means, yeah, like they're just cheap by nature almost. Um, and it's doing well. So like there's like this, there's a pocket of the market that seems to have made sense this year. And I was just reading about it today and, and I knew about the cash cows ETF, but it's, it's like, you know, a uh, large cap, but I wasn't aware of the calf one. I was very, very upset. I wasn't tracking that one many months ago because that's an idea like, and it's done well. So, but Hey, tracking it from now on. Yeah. It's, uh, it's wild there, man. Anything in closing, what do we got coming up this week? Yeah, so I'll, I'll just touch on tomorrow. So we have housing data in the U.S., so starts permits, um, which is actually expected to be, I think, down month over month. It's a little surprising considering the rate environment. Um, but most importantly to me, the Bank of Japan um, has their their policy meeting coming up. And, well, well, most of us will be asleep. Um, that one's interesting because no one expects them to uh, raise rates. But I think there's so I think they'll probably do it next month. But there's a there is, I think there's a chance they do it this month. So so you know before we have another show um, tomorrow, there's a possibility that the Bank of Japan exits negative interest rates. Which whether they do it this month, next month, or they actually don't and they wait until next spring or something, which I don't really expect. But um, but if they do that, you know you you take the final negative interest rate. Um, you know, peg off the board and it, it I, I just still think it accelerates yen strength and capital flowing back into Japan 
um, something that I'm, I'm definitely keeping an eye on. Now, obviously, going from barely negative to, to, to flat or barely positive in the next few months isn't exactly a huge deal. Um, just numerically, but it is a huge deal um, from the kind of the zeitgeist of monetary policy in Japan. I, you know, I think I think there's a good. Ch- I think there's a lot of different forces, but I think one of the things that we also want to keep our eyes on is volatility in foreign currencies, because I do think um, as these current, you know, it's. I feel like you, you hear more and more and more of them. You know, as time goes on, right? More and more currency issues around the globe, right? Um, you know, that could be, that could be a propellant for us stocks too. You know, you think about, I've got clients over in Kenya that are missionaries over there and they were telling me, and I haven't checked the data. I'm assuming they're not lying to me, uh, <laughs> but they were saying that the, the local currency there in Kenya has depreciated 50% in the last year against the dollar, right? Well, you know, if you're somewhere worried about currency depreciation and you're plugging your money into the U.S. stock market, you're probably not worried about a 20 to 30% pullback in U.S. stocks because, you know, if, if, if you throw money in the U.S. stock market and it, it falls 30% and your currency depreciates 50% against the U.S. dollar, you just came out 20% ahead. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And so I, that might be, an, it will, probably not might be, I'm sure that that is contributing to this market rally. Um, but again, all of these dynamics are, I, I think it's, in, I, I think it's interesting. I, I think if, I think that I, it'll just be interesting to see. I've just never seen a market so out of sync with the underlying economy and then just wanting to, you know, how far could this go? I, I, I have a feeling if you break new all time highs on the NASDAQ, I think that you could be looking at some kind of just insane run to the upside. I mean, it's certainly possible, but at, at the same time, we'll say the perfect trap would be to put in a, a, a new high by like 2% and just get every last penny, you know, put in there. And that'd be like, that would be the perfect trap to be like, all right, cool. Now we're going down, you know, 30%. Yeah. I, so I, I could see it going either way, but to be honest, like I, I just, I'm not too concerned either way. Like, cause no matter what the NASDAQ does, there's going to be other things out there that are going to make sense and are going to go up. Uh, Larry McDonald had a great tweet showing how like steel and mining and metal, both of those ETFs have destroyed the NASDAQ on a one, two, three year look back. It's like, well, that makes sense. You know, mining, what mining index is the the, the metals and minings, the XME. Okay. It's actually beaten the NASDAQ. Industrial metals. Yeah. It's well, well, it's, it's, it's like a mining writ large, all, all things mining essentially. Um, ETF, I know gold miners. It probably has, I'm, I'm assuming it has, it has like stuff like Caterpillar and all that kind of, you know, like yeah. a, a lot of stuff like that as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, but I, and steel, steel has been just an incredible investment for the last few years, which is why, uh, it's one of the reasons that Zig has done so well. Um, he, he has some steel stuff in there cause it was a, just painfully cheap and well, it got, it got less painfully cheap. So Zig's had a, a decent run. Well, good one, I should say. Yeah. Well, we'll see where it goes. All right, guys. Well, that's it for today. As always, we'll be back tomorrow, keeping an eye on these things and documenting this whole process. And uh, yeah, we'll see you then. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. 
The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.